and a happy 2022 to all the cinephiles out there. Welcome to another episode of the Marquee Spotlight, coming to you from the always sunny Portland, Oregon. I am your host, Spencer Bailey, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm sorry, everybody. I don't have a witty intro today, but she's here. She's in the house. Chelsea Burnett. I'm here, and happy new year to you all. So far, so good. Uh, so the spotlight topic of today's episode is going to be the 2021 year in review. Uh, I think we're just going to go back and rehash uh, the movies we all the movies we watched last year and talk about the ones we liked. Maybe touch briefly on the ones we didn't like. Sure. And uh, what we're looking forward to. And Chelsea, right off the bat, I just got to say, like, this was like a really good movie year. I think. I agree. Yeah. I don't know if if part of it is just because of the timing of things with us starting our podcast. It, last year and it made me definitely a lot more aware about new releases and just film in general but um but I think beyond that no it was a it it was a great year I think whatever projects were kind of simmering due to the pandemic in 2020 just came with a vengeance this year or this last year now <laughs> no well said uh before we get into all that we're going to just do a quick news story yeah. I think it would be sacrilegious if we did not stop and take a moment to talk about the two losses we had recently, Betty White and Sidney Poitier. And uh, first of all, 99 and 94, we don't have to say taken too soon. They had nice, long, fulfilled lives. And what more can you ask for? Absolutely. I um, truly what a what a legacy they both are leaving behind. Betty White, I will admit, I'm not. I know she has made made uh, acted in many movies. I don't know her. Um, I'm not as familiar with her film work as I am with like Golden Girls, but um, she's still a treasure uh, to Hollywood, and it's very it's sad that we lost her. Um, that People magazine cover was also a little unfortunate that broadcast betty that. white turns 100 she, but yes you're right she, she probably would it. love it yeah <laughs> um no agreed i mean she did movies but she did everything i mean when she was younger she was doing variety shows and she was doing you know visiting troops and things like that on top of just being a champion her whole life for animals and uh civil rights stuff my first memories of her my parents watching reruns of the mary tyler moore show which she was hilarious on she played ted knight's uh, partner in that show and she was one of the funniest people on the show. I didn't watch a lot of Golden Girls. It just wasn't a show that was on in my house. It but was. You're not a big Golden Girls person, <laughs> Spencer, I can't believe. Uh, well, maybe <laughs> it was on all the time. It's I'm just, just not. I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I know, I know you are. But, you know, when it comes to TV shows, whatever's on in your house is what you what you grew up with, right? Um, so that's what I remember her from. But, yeah, she was in a lot of movies throughout the years. Always funny. Yeah. Always great sense of humor. Even on talk shows, great sense of humor. But it, this is all you need to know about Betty White. I saw something uh, this week on the internet that said, um, what does it say about a person that they died at 99 and the collective world is like, that was too soon? Ah, perfectly put. I um, Thinking about her... Um, her comedy style and her wit, which I think was was pretty subtle. Like uh, I, um, it's just something about how she maintained her wit through 
all, all through her 90s and into her old age, I should say, reminded me a lot of Don Rickles, who I really, really love and adore. One of and my favorites. I, I feel like he was still cracking cracking wise up until the last days of his life. But um, yeah, uh, just had to put in a little Don Rickles plug there, especially because I've been rewatching uh, the Toy Story movies and I shocked at how hard i laugh at mr potato Head in those movies yeah don don rickles is in in the running for greatest ever but mm-hmm. um yeah betty white i think we've been expecting it for a few years and I, you gotta think she thought it was hilarious that three weeks before turning 100 yeah with the people <laughs> magazine cover already proclaiming she turned 100 sure hitting stands yeah Brett Rest in peace, Betty, and um, and and then yes, Sydney Poitier, excuse me, can't pronounce his last name. Uh, that that this was just within that was like a week or so later yes. after. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty shortly after. Absolutely after her passing, which um, it's kind of sad how it works out this way. How sometimes when someone's gone, then it like inspires you to finally check out their work and i i was familiar with the man i i remember his appearances in many oscar ceremonies but I, and i've seen guests who's coming to get to dinner but that was many years ago and i was like you know he's really someone who i i, I really should take some time with his work i found lilies of the field on um amazon prime and put it on sunday night and um totally deserving academy award win for him in that in that role have you seen that movie yeah it's been a long time uh we had to read lilies of the field in high school and we watched the movie as well because you know that's how (laughs) they have a free day in school um but no growing up you know watching look who's coming to dinner with my parents and when i got a little older watching in the heat of the night with my dad i mean so you know and even later even the heat of movie in the 80s called um a shoot to kill with Tom Berenger. I always remember the ending because they catch the bad guy and Sidney Poitier and him fall in the water and he shoots him under the water. Mm. I don't know why that always sticks out of my head, but so I always knew who Sidney Poitier was, why he was so important. Um, you know, I mean, I was thinking about that or after he died too, that I think I could confidently say at this point as a movie fan, Denzel's probably my favorite actor ever. Mm-hmm. Do we get Denzel without Sidney Poitier? If that person's not there to be someone to look up to for someone like Denzel, you know, does does he try? Is he I mean, I I don't know if he was motivated by Sidney Poitier. I'm sure that he was. I'm sure he looked up to him um, because he Denzel takes the craft so seriously. But you know, that's we can never forget the people that pave the way for others like totally. that. That's super important. Totally. Yeah. If um and you know the the type of um i feel like there is an edginess that i picked up on in sydney's work in lilies of the field that um is kind of reminiscent of denzel it's it's got all those it's the edges with the with the softness to it as well and the warmth and um kind of just just a pure talent a great actor on screen there it is but yeah it, it's uh i think it's a great thing to ponder where Denzel would have been if if not for an actor like Sydney paving the way. Yeah. Yeah, no. Total talented pure actor. It's kind of incredible. I think he was only nominated for Oscar twice. He won for Lilies of the Field. I mean, I can't believe that was his only one. Maybe a little bit of racism hanging around still had something to do with that. Yeah. He did get another honorary Oscar in 02, but 
he wasn't just the first great black actor. He's an all-time great actor yes. and, uh, yes. you know, one of many great actors who only got so much recognition at the Oscars. Certainly not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, compounded on those two deaths, I think we just say briefly, you know, Bob Saget, more known for TV. Oh, yeah. I didn't like Full House growing up, but, you know, some of his comedy stuff was funny. He had a very memorable, memorable scene in Half-Baked that still makes me laugh. Uh, but he was gone too soon, 65. I mean, that's younger than my dad. I know. Both my parents. That definitely um, took uh, took me back when, uh, took me a back uh, when I read the headline about his passing. And um, my heart goes out to his wife and all of his friends and family. Cause he's obviously was very beloved. Like I, I, I know he was a big reason behind the success of the a full house revamp on Netflix and a lot of those people you know came back together I think be- over like a mutual love of Bob Saget and in, in part so um yeah god and it was and for me remembering him growing up with him full house and America's uh, funniest home videos when I finally saw the movie the aristoc aristocrats not the aristocrats the aristocrats which is about that really filthy joke and he has I don't know if you've seen that oh god uh, yes yeah when I finally saw it and he goes into his version of the joke, I was like, is this the same Bob Saget? But it, you know, only made me appreciate him more in time. Sure. And then last but not least, the super important, great John Madden. Now you might be saying, Spencer, John Madden, this is not a football podcast. Ah, but John Madden had a crucial scene in the 1994 classic Little Giants. So... It applies. He's got a SAG card because of it, probably. Probably. Um, so they will all be missed, uh, but with the exception of Bob Saget, they all got to live long lives. Mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier, much in the vein of Sean Connery, died in paradise. <laughs> he died in the Bahamas. Oh. I mean, what else could you ask for? Truly, yes. So. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the spotlight topic of the day. And welcome back. So, as we said, the spotlight topic is going to be uh, 2021, a year in review of movies. Um, I think we really had a great time seeing all these movies. And I, you know, we kind of said at the beginning of the episode, I really do think this was an excellent year for movies. And you'd kind of mentioned, was it because some of these got held over? You know, I thought about that. I think that's part of it. I, again, I, I said on our Oscars episode earlier this year, I don't think the 2020 movies were bad i think they were good movies but this was just a much more entertaining selection we got this year totally yeah we'll probably never forget a lot of the films that were up for oscars in uh 20 well i guess the 2021 oscars the 2020 films just because of how they're going to be forever linked to the pandemic but i mean on their own merits too they'll they'll stand stand alone but no i uh Thank God for the vaccine for so many reasons, but it got us back in going to the cinema. So uh, I'm all for that. Uh, uh, yeah, it. I. But I think that in the last just the last couple months, it's been incredible just to see the rollout of what's been hitting theaters, but also streaming. I'm really grateful for the streaming options because I have not been able to make it to the theater as much as I'd like to. But yeah, definitely thankful for the streaming options. And the other thing I'll say is going to see these movies. The other thing that feels good is, you know, sometimes there's years where you get hyped up for a lot of movies and then you go see them and they're let down. I, like a lot of these movies I was excited about this year were 
just as much fun they as delivered. I was hoping they'd be. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good point. So uh, before we get into the, you know, what our thoughts on the whole year, we're going to discuss some of the movies, the end of the year movies that we we haven't gotten a chance to talk about on the show. Uh, so right off the bat, we would be remiss if we did not open up with Licorice Pizza. Chelsea and I got to see this together at Hollywood Theater in 70 millimeter, which yes. I didn't think that this kind of a movie would be that much f- more fun in 70 millimeter, but I think it enhanced the experience so yeah, much. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say enhanced. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a treat to go and see this movie um, on uh, such a, just a, a through a gorgeous lens as it wasn't projected on that, on that great screen. And um, I, I think I'll save a little bit. I'm going to try and, be careful how much I talk about now about licorice pizza because I want to talk about it a little later too in another segment. But I I was just so like swept up in this movie. Um, I'm glad that I kind of went into it a bit blind. I hadn't had a lot spoiled for me, so it took many um, it took many turns that I I didn't really see coming, and I don't think I knew that it was going to be as focused on Alana's uh, character. But I'm. Uh, I, th- I think I thought it was going to be more Cooper, uh, Cooper Hoffman, right? Is the yes, actor's correct. name. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought he would be taking a more lead role, but it really felt like at times it almost was more Alana's film, but they really complemented each other so nicely. And, um, I think Paul Thomas Anderson has, um, such a way with, in the films of his that I've seen, he has such a way of, uh, weaving, um, multiple storylines together and, um, surprising you in the way he can tie them together. And when it's all said and done, you're like, wow, that, I mean, it's been said time and time again that he is like a master at work. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's one thing he does really well is he'll make movies that are almost episodic, but you don't even notice it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the Masters that way, there'll be Bloods that way, Boogie Nights is that way. So I, I will say this. I, I actually have very complicated feelings about Th- Paul Thomas Anderson's filmography. And I don't want to really get into it. One, we don't have time for this episode. And two, I think we're going to do a full I'd filmography. Be, it'd be episode, fun. Probably, yeah. probably later this year. Because I think he's interesting enough that we could just really talk about all of his films. I do believe he's one of the most important filmmakers of the last 25 years. I believe he's incredibly gifted, very talented. He does a lot of things I really appreciate, but he also does stuff that really annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> and I think that's why sometimes his movies don't resonate with me. Yeah. Um, that being said, this is without a doubt my favorite PTA movie. Yeah. Although I objectively think There Will Be Blood is a better movie. This was my favorite movie-watching experience of all of his films. It... it you know, you're talking about going back to the theater and you're talking about the way we saw it. It really was one of those moments where we walked out of the theater and I just felt good. I was like, yeah. man, that was just such a good experience. The movie was good. Yeah. Nobody was rude around us. You know, everybody in the theater seemed to appreciate the film. It wasn't too long. I, I had no, like nothing about it bugged me. There was nothing I was like, that could have been better. It was just, I'm so glad we got out today and we went to the theater and we saw this movie. I could have even turned right back around and watched it again, like sat through the whole thing again. I can't wait to rewatch it. Um, I think also it's California 70s vibes. Oh, man. Uh, You know, uh, you can't really beat that. 
like I I always feel this like pull like I don't know in the in the real dark days of winter here in the Pacific Northwest, as much as I love being from here, I, I do find myself like gravitating towards content that kind of takes place in those like sunnier landscapes like uh, L.A. Or, or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, it, so I was really, really swept up in all of that. The, the you just just seeing how PTA, you know, so lovingly shoots um these maybe not often thought of picturesque parts of um south or, yeah so- southern california but um but, yeah, but that's what makes yeah. it interesting mm-hmm. and that's the thing i I've, I've told people like here in portland how much i love la and people kind of go really i was like listen i say i love la and you're thinking of hollywood you're thinking of west la east la is fascinating yeah it's so many historical buildings there's so much more culture in east la but no i yeah all that all of that stuff you just talked about was made it really charming. But the natural acting, I mean, yeah. everybody's giving Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman a lot of credit for this being their first movies and what a great job they did. And absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, they had to do it. But PTA, I think, is just one of those directors that he... A director he, has to do what a director has to do. Like, they, yeah. yeah he got they, it out of them. I mean, he gave them, the, you know, kept their natural look as much as possible. But I think he, I think these parts were right for both of them. That's the thing. Like, Alana Haim did a really good job. Do, do I think we're going to start seeing her in a lot of movies? No, I don't. I think she might pop up here and there, and we'll see how she does. And but I'm not even sure if she'd want to pursue maybe much not. of it. If she's more just happy. I'm seeing them live in a in the beginning of the summer. I, I'm I That'll be my second time seeing Haim. No, third, because they were at a music festival I went to. So, yeah, they're they're doing very <laughs> well for themselves. But, yeah. um all three, all three of them in the movie, oh, and their which, parents, by the way, yeah, which is hilarious. All these little touches that just added; it didn't distract, and only added, I think, to my enjoyment. I'm also really big on nepotism, so I was like geeking out over like seeing the children of all these other uh, you famous enjoy the people. nepotism? I love nepotism. Oh, yeah, I am so fascinated I with hate it. it and, but oh, <laughs> I love it. Um, I said I was going to save things for. For later, but I might as well just just say them now because we're kind of on this roll. But um, there is another thing I just in thinking more about the movie that I really wanted to shout out that I speaking from a uh, a woman's perspective and someone who's now a bit older than the character that a lot of the controversy. Oh, no, no. I'm actually not getting into the controversy yet, but we can. Oh, we are going to. I was just going to say that there there is a scene that she shares with um, Sean Penn, who's playing, I believe, like a William Holden type. But, yes. Uh, yeah, his name is Jack Holden, but it's, it's supposed to be William Holden. Yeah. yeah. There's a scene when he they meet uh, her, you know, casting for his next project. And um, she's kind of swept up in this glitz and glamour of being in his presence and um, also being at this like precipice of while she's still she is an adult she's well into her 20s I feel like she's never really branched out on her own Um, I'm gonna try and kind of summarize this in the best way I can there I think it was so brilliantly done to capture what it's like to be someone at that age and experiencing the things she's experiencing in something as simple as 
ordering a martini, which then has a callback later in the film. I re- <laughs> I I feel like that is some the first time I tried a martini. I remember thinking like I've arrived into adulthood when I was so still very far away from maturity, even if I may have been over 21. Sure. I But something as simple as that. And then in the charm of her ordering, trying to order a martini on her own when she's not around the Jack Holden character, and she doesn't have maybe someone wiser to look out for her to to do that. And just seeing her on her own later in the restaurant, she doesn't even know how to order it properly when they ask gin or vodka. And she says, yeah, gin vodka yeah and um she's, I, a, she's a total mess i mean and i remember what it's like being in your mid-20s and you're trying to like figure everything out mm-hmm. but she's trying to like really figure something out i love when she starts working for the uh the mayoral candidate she looks at him uh she looks at gary and goes i'm a politician <laughs> and she's a volunteer worker <laughs> yeah yeah you just she's searching for something i felt like um I, I had this thought that I was like, she's almost like the anti-manic pixie dream girl, even though I feel like that phrase is overused, um, but I couldn't think of something, no, she for lack of a better is. term. And um, if some, in some ways, the Cooper Hoffman character is kind of more of a manic pixie dream boy, if you want to put that, ascribe some that kind of a characteristic point, to him. Chelsea. Wow. Because she even, you know, screams at him and, or he... T- Oh gosh, now I can't even remember their fight that they have where someone makes it very clear like I did all these. I guess it is Cooper that's reminding her like I'm the reason I'm I'm propelling your life right now even though he may be a teenager and she may be in her 20s. Age sometimes ain't nothing but a number. So we yeah. Well, so maybe we should talk with a controversy. Well, yeah. So that's the big thing. Everybody's tripping because in the movie she's 25, he's 15. First thing I'm going to say is this. If you've seen other PTA movies and this is what bothers you, there's something wrong with you. Uh, second of all, it's not that egregious even. It's it doesn't nothing really happens until the end of the movie, and then what happens at the end of the movie is not ideal, but it's not it, it's not illegal. I think what what when this um, type of controversy is drummed up or not drummed up, but when, when people are, are put off or bothered by these types of relationships and age differences displayed on screen, there's like a, the fear is that there has been a grooming that went into it to like by the older person who took advantage of their position and groomed the younger person to abuse them in some way. Um, I didn't, I did not see a grooming relationship in the slightest. In Excellent this. point. No, and so, in, fa- in fact, what I said to you after the movie was the re- reason it worked, and I don't want to say it works, but listen, like this is what PTA does. He always has an inside joke or a weird oddity that is either in your face or it's subtle, and this was a subtle one. Like he knows it's weird, but he was like, I'm going to make this coming of age, like kind of sweet movie. Funny movie, but I'm gonna slide in a little bit of my 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 PTA my uh, edge my edge in yeah. there. But the reason it works with this movie is because Gary's charming, even though he's a teenager, he's very charming, he's very self-assured, she doesn't know what she's doing, and they're just friends for 95% of the movie. Yeah. With a crush, there's like a right. one one-sided at times occasional mutual crush that feels harmless right yeah but what i said to you when we left the reason it works is because every man in that movie lets her down except gary Mm -hmm. that's 
why it's it's not it makes it like not as farcical or anything yeah. like you know i mean it, it truly like i could see that happening they're friends even though with the age gap with the way he carries himself and every other guy in her life lets her down yeah yeah i i also i'm not gonna ascribe too much more to like the longevity of their relationship i think it was just it's gonna be something that they'll like these characters you know were very tied at the hip close had this magical however many month or year long a relationship it is they had but they're not each other's you know no. uh, soulmates or no. anything it was more like they came into each other's lives at the time at the right time and they yeah. learned something from each other and, and um i i i do i want to be respectful to the people who are who were very offended or um put off by by the sexual element of their relationship, which I've, I've, I, yeah. but I, I think it was, I think it was minor. And I think if maybe if, yeah, I think Look, uh, I, movie, I, movie, I <laughs> movies are full of bad stuff and why society picks and chooses which bad stuff that they're okay with being in a movie, and which ones they're not like, nobody cares about excessive violence, <laughs> but this little thing you know, people are losing their minds about. Last thing I'm going to say about Licorice Pizza, you brought up the Sean Penn character. I I really like Sean Penn as an actor. He's always great. But Tom Waits is seriously one of my favorite people of all time. And he's having a time in this movie. And Chelsea, I swear to God, if PTA's next movie was an entire movie of Sean Penn's character and Tom Waits' character just hanging out, I would be there opening day. Maybe a short film for me. I don't know. I, 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 I do... I. I I I don't love Tom Waits as much as you do, but he was great, and uh, and it was fun to see Sean Penn um, acting in something again. Yep. Well, speaking of age different controversies, here comes our next movie. Oh, are we talking about what are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about Red Rocket. Red Rocket. <sighs> I got to see Red Rocket. I wish you could have come with me. I know this is one I'm bummed I haven't seen yet. Please, yeah, fill me in. New movie by Sean Baker, who did Tangerine and Florida Project. I still have not seen Tangerine. I have seen Florida Project. I thought it was very good. This is way better. And again, I like Florida Project. This is a better movie. Really well-made movie. It's one of those movies that it's too, too well done to say it's not a good movie, but there's not a lot of redeeming <laughs> factors in this movie. Um, these characters, it makes you uncomfortable most of the movie. The The personal tie-in for me was, so it takes place in a small rural East Texas town. And as I've said on the show before, I grew up in West Louisiana, right near the Texas border. Um, there were towns like this in this movie everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like they surrounded where I lived when I would go into Texas. They were all over the place. Even if I went a little, little East in Louisiana, there were towns like this. It was very familiar. And I, I will say the movie's so well made. It's so immersive. And it feels so real. Even for someone like you grew up in California and stuff. Oh, I grew up here. Oh, excuse me. You went to but with this college in California. You grew yeah, up on the West yeah. Coast. You would still probably find it really immersive and stuff. But for me, it was just like I was just like, oh my God, I can smell the air watching this movie and there's like an oil refinery in the background That's the whole a cool time way to describe it yeah the other thing was most of the people in the movie 
about halfway through the movie, I was like, I don't think these people are actors. I think the three main people are actors, and I think everyone else is just local townspeople that they got to be in this movie. And when I got home, I pulled up IMDb. Almost everybody in the movie, their only credit is Red Rocket. So I think I was right. Mm. Um, this is a movie about someone who is very selfish, very depraved. And it's interesting because throughout the whole movie, this takes place in 2016, and the 2016 election stuff's playing on TV all the time. And they're playing back old audio from Trump during that time. And a lot of the things Trump is saying is tied to way... Mikey, the main character, is acting. Okay. Uh, like, towards the end, it's Trump when he was like, if I lose this election, it's because it was rigged. And in that moment, Mikey's like, this thing that's happening is not my fault. And you all suck. Um, so can't can't um, take any uh, responsibility. Uh, responsibility. Yeah, yeah he's, he's completely manipulative of people. It's all, everything is to his benefit. Terrible things happen, but as long as he's okay then he's fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really want to stress how real this felt. There's a neighbor guy named Lonnie, one of the people I'm pretty sure, this is only credit, he's probably from the area. I met a hundred Lonnies growing up in the part of the country I did. Everything felt so real. Um, the three people that are actual actors were, are fantastic. You've got Simon Rex, who's playing the main character, Mikey, his ex-wife, who he's using to stay because he's down on his luck. And then Susanna's son, who is, she is an underage girl he meets in a donut shop and is one of the three most prominent people in the movie. They're all excellent. The movie's funny, but I think I expected to be, like, I was expecting to go in there and just be belly rolling Mm. laughing. It's not like that. It's just moments that you just kind of, you kind of laugh. And then for some reason, Bye 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 by NSYNC is very prevalent in the film. Okay, I've heard about this. It comes up several times, but one time... He's so, I won't spoil, but he's he's running away from something totally naked. They're showing everything. And like while Drive Bye Bye is playing for like the third time, the camera's <laughs> following his face. And then it's, you know, bah, 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 you know, it hits a little harder. When it hits one of the big notes, it drop the camera drops down for a second. <laughs> so there's some funny stuff like that. <laughs> it's kind of an ambiguous ending. I don't know. It's a super well-made movie. Sean Baker is such a does such a good job of making things feel real. Yeah. That being said, he's made three movies now that take place in the same part of the country with the same types of people. And the last two movies made have brought up Craigslist prostitution. So I don't know what's up with this guy, <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I, I heard an interview with him where he said, you know, so many people are like are approaching me and they have different ideas of the message I was trying to say with this, especially with what you brought up with Trump and and mm-hmm. the time it it took place in and he's he seems to be almost a little apolitical uh, no that's not the right term but he just I think is trying to say like the movie can be however you interpret it to be but I wasn't trying I didn't have like an explicit political message right and uh, I think that's the conclusion this, yeah. I came to like yeah. in the car I was driving home and I was like was there a point to this movie there's certainly themes there's certainly things to take away from it but I just think this is one of those movies where somebody was telling you a story and just listen to the story. Well, and that election, it changed our whole country. So it is like, it makes sense to use it as kind of like a plot device. So it's, well, it's it, a yeah. pretty subtle backdrop thing. It's not, it's not there all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you see Red Rocket, don't look too much into it. Just yeah. take it as what it is. It's just, it's just a good movie. And we'll see if it, you know, gets any buzz. Yeah. 
Do you, do you think Simon Rex kind of was able to stretch more of his acting muscles with this or did it almost feel too naturalistic or? I got to tell you, I've never, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. And I mean, I looked at IMDb, he's done a lot of garbage, which is why I've never seen him in anything yeah. else. Um, you don't know his, uh, his take on Eminem and 8 Mile and the Scary Movie 2 or 3? No, I heard that's <laughs> his other big, his only other big role is Scary Movie 2, but he's he's excellent in this movie he's, okay. he's, he's very very good yeah yeah he's not he's not too bad to look at either so i i'm sure well, i'll make it around to, to seeing this soon well you get to see a whole lot of him in this I, movie, chelsea. yes uh chelsea we got to we both watched individually the lost daughter this oh, was a big yeah. movie to, from the year but did not drop on netflix until december 31st so what did you think of Lost Daughter? Yeah, I think in the little bit we've talked about it so far, I think I may like this movie a little bit more than than you do, but um I I want to definitely hear more of your your thoughts on it, but I'm I'm not going to be mad at Netflix for putting money behind uh a movie like this. I I could I could take in, you know, a lot more of these uh really really great you know, uh, it's a it's a great piece to showcase a lot of different actors on the screen who were all like, I think, bringing something really powerful to the film. I think uh, when sometimes when an actor, this is directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is also an actor. I think sometimes actors turn directors get super interesting and poignant performances out of uh, their actors and their films, I think just because of this like already like innate connection they have. And I, I felt like that was really reading on screen. Um, I also like, I super loved the setting um, where the Olivia Coleman character, who's a, a professor of, um, she, she sp speaks many languages, but I, I believe she mainly does Italian yeah, translation. Some concentration on Italian. Yeah. yeah. But but she's vacationing. I, it looks like in Greece. It's Greece. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think that you know you're kind of lulled into this at this you know her meeting with Ed Harris, and he's showing her her um, her apartment. She's going to be staying in in this really quaint town, and um, and at her first morning on the beach, everything's mellow and. You know, before we know it, this family who uh, rents a nearby villa kind of takes over the beach and um, sort of flips her whole Olivia Coleman's world all upside down and f forces her to face all these kind of not so pretty memories of uh, her time as a young mother. And um, I won't give too much more away, but I do think the tension is is really well um, uh, it's doled out at just the right moments and brought me along I I but um I I think you were the one that told me Spencer when we were off mic that you were like it it seems like a, a first time director's film and 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 that's a fair point I yeah. think maybe it could have used a little stronger hand with some things yeah but yeah I, I yeah I mean don't get me wrong I think for a first time Maggie Gyllenhaal did a, did a really good job directing yeah. I think there was some editing things that I was just like you said there were some continuity problems for you or uh it was timeline issues that were an issue well I, I think some of the way the timeline stuff is chopped up but it's like you're already cutting back to a flashback and then you're chopping up the flashback it was just there was just some some cuts i, mm -hmm. I thought were uh, a, a new director trying something and it just didn't really work yeah um 
I thought parts of the movie were a little slow. So, uh, so let me be fair. Like, I think the movie was was well directed for the most part. Her being her first time, I think most of the acting is really good. I think Jesse Buckley is the best one in the entire movie, and that's saying something with Olivia Coleman and Ed Harris yeah. being in it. Um, and Dakota seen- Johnson, who you know, she's really proving herself too to be a real like beyond nepotism she's she's earned her stripes well, we're gonna we're gonna have to agree Uh-oh, to disagree on that Uh-oh. one <laughs> I, I don't th- i don't think dakota johnson's bad i just think that if her parents were famous she probably would not be an actress but um she's fine but the other three were are just knocking out of the park Ed Harris is always great. Olivia Coleman cracks me up because I just remember her from Peep Show, and now she's like this like, <laughs> Oscar winner. She's in Hot Fuzz, man, and now she's like you know going to be nominated for like the fourth time or something, probably. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, it it's a it's a good movie. I think like the talk around it, I was really expecting to be blown away, and the movie ended, and I was just kind of like, okay, sure, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> like I don't really understand what I'm supposed to take away from this, but yeah. uh, I mean the the people felt real. I could sympathize or empathize with the struggles. I thought her struggle with being a parent that she talked about was interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't dislike the movie. I was just really expecting it to be like, oh man, this might be in contention for best picture. And No, uh, it's not a best picture, but it's... It might it's, get nominated. They get 10 nominees now, Chelsea. Yeah. You know, I... I It'd be I, I have no issue if it does get nominated, but I guess I would say it'd probably be on the lower, yeah, the lower rung of uh, of the nominees. But um, I, uh, yeah, more more movies like this with lots of cool actors doing really cool work. I I really loved and set in really 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 pretty places like Greece. I, I I'm all for it. But Jesse Buckley, I've heard so much buzz around her and it was kind of, it was kind of fun. I think this was probably my first movie I've ever actually seen. Well, I've seen uh, her and I'm her. thinking of anything. She's outstanding in mm-hmm. that too. So yeah. I I'm, I'm looking forward. She's got a movie coming out this year with Frances McDormand called Women Talking. Mm. I'm going to see what that's about for sure. Yeah, she's got this real um kind of, she just seems like she's got like a, a fire inside of her like it's uh she seems a little dangerous in a good in a really good way well said i like that um so next up i saw the tragedy Macbeth. i've been waiting for this movie for like a year denzel your favorite actor well but also i love Macbeth. i I love shakespeare and Macbeth is one of my two favorite plays and joel cohen directing and uh, francis mcforman and brendan gleason i mean we brought this up earlier in the year i've been looking at this movie forward to this movie for (laughs) forever and oh man, did it did it live up to what I was hoping for? I just loved it. I loved it. It was so good. I'm so impressed. Like that is not a short play, and they got the whole, like all the key points of the mo- the play, in under two hours, and it just it just goes never drags. It doesn't feel like it's being rushed. Everybody in the movie is incredible, and oh my god, the production, the set, the, it it looked less like a movie and more like a super elaborate stage show that's great now one thing i thought was interesting it's in black and white and it's in a square aspect ratio mm. and it reminded me of the lighthouse yeah. which is also in black and white which you just square. watched right yeah 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 so they're both of them black and white square as- aspect ratio so one thing i was super curious about i love denzel i just the dude is unreal i mean like 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 all of you listening don't know that um but i'm like can you do shakespeare yes he can kills it but I've heard a lot of people complaining about Francis McDormand, or maybe not complaining, but just critiquing, criticizing 
Francis McDormand's performance. I was fine. Look, here's what I liked about Denzel and Francis's performance. They had this modernity about their line delivery, but it didn't sound like people who lived today. It just was not yield English, you know. It they were delivering Shakespearean lines with a little bit of modernity, but it was the right kind of modernity in a way that I think if you avoid Shakespeare, if you feel like you don't always understand Shakespeare, I think you will appreciate this more. Is it kind of like, um, I, I don't know if you're a fan, I hope you are, of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet? It's good. I haven't seen it in a long okay. time, but it's one of the, his movies that I think was a neat idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just um, the, the modernity uh, the, the, to the way that they were delivering the lines it made me think of another movie of Shakespeare sure. that I've seen that I felt like hit that note well. But well, and that's yeah. interesting because that whole movie's modernity, right? Yeah. Um, whereas <laughs> this is... Kind of shoving it down your throat absolutely. at times. Which I... But I like it. Well, it was I, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he pulled it off. That could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. This is strictly the line delivery. But Denzel's great. I mean, everyone's great. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the movie is really, really good in, in it. It's it's just hour 45. And you just... Let it let it wash over you. How does it fit in the rest of the Cohen's filmography? Like, do you see a through line there? Like, does are there? No. Okay. But for a couple reasons, one, it's just one of the Cohen's. Okay. And two, who has a more diverse filmography than those two? I mean, these guys made like sometimes like when you think of like Raising Arizona or The Big Lebowski. Like, oh, brother, where art thou? That feels Cohen brother. But they also made Miller's Crossing and Blood Simple and old, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. No Country for Old Men does not feel like a Cohen Brothers movie. And um, True Grit. True Grit. Yeah. yeah. And Fargo. I mean, they don't have a, a, a lane. Um, but this did feel like something new. And I think it was because it was just one. But the, uh, seriously, the production just, I mean, it was so cool. The ambiance is incredible. It's great. It's cool. so awesome. I cannot recommend Macbeth enough. I gotta bribe someone I know with Apple uh, Apple Plus membership to It'll let me watch it this Friday, January fourteenth. Cool. You can stream it. Uh, we both watched Don't Look Up. Yes, yeah, another Netflix, uh, another Netflix film, uh, which I'm not even really. Have you really seen it airing in many theaters around stream screen uh, screening no. in many theaters no. around here? I think it was one of those things where Netflix did it just enough to let it qualify for the award show. But you know what I thought was so interesting? So I, I really enjoyed Don't Look Up. I, I, yeah, you told me you thought. You texted me very enthusiastically after yeah, you saw it. Yeah. Adam McKay is really good at taking serious topics and you laugh. But like when I watched The Big Short, I was like, that was a really good movie. And I'm so angry now. Um and this don't look up was equal parts hilarious and and depressing. Yeah, yeah. And I I'm this is a movie where I'm kind of glad I got over my initial skepticism based off of all these negative reviews I was hearing around it, like people saying, is this a story we really need right now? It's just going to make me feel more depressed about the state of affairs in our country and and our world and everything, and I was, uh, and it's smug and blah blah blah, all these other things. And I, I, I actually didn't really think it was a very smug movie. I thought it was, Not it was, all. it was satirical it was for extremely sure. Satirical. And but I, I, I actually don't think that it's as leftist or anti, uh, you know, red state. Uh, there are definitely those 
you know, points that it's hitting. But I, I, I think that there is um, the, the way it's balanced with the humor it works and it, where it's not just a total skewering. And I, I think that there are, are performances in the movie that really, I think are doing it in a really smart way. Like, I think I didn't know that I was going to love Meryl Streep in this presidential sort of like I a wish Trump she would do more comedy as she was so good. She was, and she was, she was doing a lot of stuff, even with her body language. That was yes. really funny. And, and, in the movie and, you know, Jonah Hill was there to, to be kind of, the Jonah Hill circa uh, two thousand, yeah. But I am not, you know, I, I'm not mad at that. Uh, it, sometimes maybe he he took me out a little bit of the movie, but very rarely. It, there there are the occasional points in the movie where I think the the satire was perhaps a bit heavy heavy handed. But to write off the whole movie just for those reasons to say. You know, I, I don't I, I, I can't do that because I, I thought it, it and at the end of the day, I think the movie truly has a lot of heart yes. that really didn't. I don't think it feels cheap. Like no. I there's I won't spoil it for anyone, but there is a final line that Leo Leonardo DiCaprio's character delivers that like is still kind of like it's it's stuck with me. It's it's something I'm like revisiting a lot in the more I think about the movie. Yeah. Look, right off the bat. Everybody from Leo and J-Law to Tyler Perry is... <gasps> Tyler Perry's so funny. Uh, amazing in this movie. Mm -hmm. Everybody's perfect. Adam McKay, just he... It doesn't matter who you are as an actor. He's going to get exactly what he wants out of you. doesn't matter what you're... No, Kate Blanchett, hilarious. She was great. Tyler Perry, hilarious. Leo, yeah. like we've never seen him before. He's unrecognizable. Yeah. It's a little long. Mm -hmm. It could be a little shorter, including it's got two stingers like a Marvel movie at the end of the credits. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was very effective. I am surprised that it's caught more flack, got as much flack as it has, um, especially because earlier in the year, people were talking about it like, this is going to be like a top three for best picture, which now that I've seen it, I don't, I think it'll be nominated, but yeah. I don't think it was quite that uh, prolific, but it's good. It, it it did what it set out to do. Yeah, I think in the, its longevity or whatever, its legacy might be a little tainted by like certain like specific references to like our our current like a lot of the stuff that dealt with the Ariana Grande character in the movie and like uh, Kid Cudi. Like I don't know, I don't know if that's gonna be as funny a few See, years from now. That's an example of something could have been cut out of the movie. Yeah, um, but uh, you know. Um, I I think he he know he definitely shows he knows how to handle a huge cast uh, of of characters and give everyone their their moment in the sun, and uh, I I I mean I I do I do have to say that I love Timothy Chalamet and I loved him in this movie. I I thought he it was one of the funny. I mean he's not known necessarily for being a very funny guy. I think he's hosted SNL once and and it was a fine. It's a fine episode, but uh, I thought he was really funny in this. And um, it, probably a lot of that has to do with the direction he got from Adam McKay. So they obviously were working very well together and he tapped into something great and only made me love Timmy that much more. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, real quick, we'll touch on one more movie we just saw together recently in the theater. We went back to Hollywood Theater and we saw... Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea Guillermo del Toro, big deal in your house. Yes. Yeah. Micah is, uh, loves Guillermo. It was actually a bit like, I think this movie was, 
you know, he was grappling with his feelings. He felt a little let down by one of his faves. Yeah. I, it, uh, yeah. When the trailer came out and you saw the cast and it was Guillermo and the way the trailer looked and the way the posters looked, I was like, I am pumped for this movie. And uh, yeah. like, I think what I said to you when we were walking outside was that was an entertaining movie. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. A simple story. My, we told you afterwards, me and Micah, we, we, like I see a third of the way through the movie, we're like, oh, it's gonna end this way, and we were right. And it's a predictable ending, simple story, um, but a perfectly pleasant evening at the movies. True, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's it's not a bad thing to see the twist coming before you know it, it's gonna get there, because then maybe you have more fun piecing together how they're gonna get to that twist. But um, it, yeah, uh, the this was a. I didn't really know much about like what a geek was and what a geek show was as part of a circus. So learning a little bit more about that through the Willem Dafoe character, that was, that was pretty fascinating. I, I think we were saying after the movie that like to see the, the, the movie that came out in the forties, is that one? Yeah. 47. Yeah. They probably geek probably would be even scarier, like in a black and white where they didn't have all the advances of CGI and everything to, to show off what, what a whole geek show entailed. But, um, I, um, by the way, can we just say, this has got to be Del Toro's like most grotesquely violent movie in, in a long time true probably since pan's labyrinth yeah and it really ramps up right there at the end like with just it, it, like you think the circus part is going to be some of the most grotesque but you know it gets it's jarringly yeah, violent yeah certainly want to shout out the um the production design and the cinematography it it's was incredible. really working for me yeah. it was just uh so um, it was so cinematic, yeah. I guess is the best uh, d- one word descriptor I can have for it. Everybody is excellent in the movie, aside from Bradley Cooper's terrible Southern accent, <laughs> yeah. but I'm overly critical of that. <laughs> um, but everybody's great. Kate Blanchett, who, look, if Denzel's my favorite actor of all time, Kate's got to be my favorite actress of all time. Mm-hmm. That woman, I just, I'll watch her in anything. She's yeah. so commanding. She gets, she's in one Marvel movie and steamrolls everybody yeah. in the movie. Uh, to, to the point though, that's why Bradley Cooper was good in the movie because his interactions with her, she's so commanding. Yes. She's always commanding. And it worked so well because he had to have this like he confidence where he thinks he's got to figure it out, but he doesn't. You find yeah. out he doesn't. And it just, it just, they played off each other extremely well. They did. I will definitely give that to you. I also, I really liked his um, Bradley Cooper playing off of uh, David Strathairn as well in the film. I, um, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. His cast is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really. Murderer's Row. Totally. I, I was like, Strathairn, yes, I'm here for you. I want to like do more of a deep dive in his filmography after I watched The River Wild, like about a month ago. I'm like, I now I got to get into Good Night and Good Luck. I got to, I there's there's a lot. Oh, I just rewatched LA Confidential and he's in that. And another great performance. That guy always delivers. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So now we're caught up. We've seen it. We did it, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. We've seen everything. Uh, so, what were some of your favorite movies of 2021? Yeah. Well, if it wasn't already obvious how much I gushed over licorice pizza, that that was that was one of them. Um, so uh, for all all the things that I said uh, previously, but um, it just 
really, it was a movie that plain and simple, as you said, made me feel good leaving the theater. And it's one that I could see myself owning and wanting to revisit uh, time and time again. So that whole experience was really positive. A uh, couple other ones I wanted to talk about um, for the theater experience alone. I really, really liked uh, seeing No Time to Die. I, I oh, that was good pick. yeah. Just, just I mean, one we just forgot about because mm-hmm. like, there were so many good movies this year. Yeah, but I think there's some scenes in there that are going to stay with me for a while. I think uh, some some chase scenes and uh, and just that opening with opening. the kind. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, it's uh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we went to the theater. To yeah, see that. me too. It was it was a really fun kind of back to. It wasn't the first the, the movie I saw in theaters this year. That was Zola, which I really liked, but I wouldn't say it was. I can list it as one of my favorites, but that was that was a, a really cool movie to be my first to go to and after the pandemic. But uh, the last movie I would talk about as being one of my favorites was was Pig. That's that's one that has um, the the longer I I think on it and and um, it, it's just I've I thought that was a really special movie. A Pig was the first movie I wrote down. I I just I think I'm just so taken aback at how you heard what the premise was because i remember when nicholas cage was walking around town and he looked yeah. like disheveled and everybody was like what's this new movie he's got a truffle pig this could be crazy and then when the trailer came out everybody kind of went what and then you see it and you're just like god what a surprising movie this mm-hmm. was and the what it pulled out of me emotionally and I, me and Lacey just kind of sat there in the credits and just like, oh my God, what did that just do to us? Mm-hmm. And then to find out that everyone feels that way. And all year, everybody's even into the winter, people were talking about Pig. Yeah. And I don't know how much recognition it's going to get at the awards, but it, it deserves it. It's one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. It truly is. I'd love to see Nicolas Cage get... Um recognized with a nomination but it may well, be I've too crowded i don't we'll see got we're gonna bring that up later but um uh certainly Macbeth. i got exactly what i wanted cool so i i can't <laughs> um i'm really surprised you didn't say dune because i know i think maybe because i didn't see it in an imax theater maybe if i had i would feel a little different Dune, uh, I mean, and yeah all the talk the last two or three years and what an event i mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I had a feeling you were going to say Dune. Yeah. For sure. Last two I want to say I really enjoyed was uh, I, I I recommended earlier this year when it came out, but No Sudden Move, Steven Soderbergh movie that just dropped on HBO Max out of the blue. Yeah. And it was outstanding. I think it's still on HBO Max. If you watch No Sudden Move, go watch it. It's so good. And it wasn't even in theaters. And it's, it's Soderbergh can do no wrong. And then I watched the Paul Schrader film, The Card Counter, starring Oscar Isaac. Uh, Paul Schrader famously kind of, an odd guy, you know, he got famous for writing Taxi Driver and continuing to work with Scorsese through the years, but he started directing his own films like American Gigolo. Uh, he wrote Last Temptation of Christ and a couple other. Did you other... see the film of his with Ethan Hawke that came out? A few I know, years I know you're talking about he's a priest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was heavy. <laughs> so, Card Counter um, certainly looked like it's going to be like a card shark movie. It is, that's not what it is. It certainly felt like it's missing something. But I, I I enjoyed it. There's something about Paul Schrader really pulls the darkness out of people without you feeling like they're holistically evil or bad. There's always depth 
to the dangerous people in his movies. But the more I see of Oscar Isaac, the more I'm just really enjoying this guy as an actor. And I'm glad he's working a lot because I've yet to not enjoy him in something. And he's, he's really awesome in this movie. It's not going to be for everyone. It is missing something. Willem Dafoe is also in it. Okay. Uh, but I, I enjoyed that movie. Cool. A uh, couple other things I wanted to point out 2021. A24 and Netflix, killing it, man. Yeah. A24 had Green Knight, Macbeth, Red Rocket, Come On, Come On, which I gave my opinion on it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's very popular, and the Val Kilmer documentary. Have you ever gone to the A24, their website? I was just on there today. It's really, it's got a kind of a cool layout, but uh, I recommend it just to kind of, that you can see their lineup and the way that they have it tiled out and you can see their upcoming slate of films. They uh, have, yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're five, six year run of just really killing it. Mm-hmm. And then Netflix, maybe the best movie year they've ever had. And you know, it's funny. I was saying somebody earlier in the year, I think HBO Max is the king of streaming right now, but I feel like Netflix is making a comeback. Yeah. And they've had some amazing successes with TV shows this year, which we're not going to get into because that's not what this is. But Power of the Dog, yeah. The Lost Daughter, Don't Look Up, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Now, I mean, I don't care about Tick, Tick, Boom, but mm-hmm. going to get some award buzz and stuff. I mean, so. A24 Netflix, hats off to you. You... In a, in a year of great movies, you guys dominated. Yeah, I think they're hitting, um, Netflix is hitting a, its stride with that. So um, ever since I think they they saw the type of respect maybe they gained with the all the Roma buzz and um, the Irishman, there was buzz around that, but didn't really pan out. But uh, now I feel like they're actually going after some really cool talent. Yeah. I well, like they were it. trying to from the beginning because I, th- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think their first production was Beast of No Nation. Mm. And that was like the thing, Netflix's first movie. Uh, and it was the only movie they had. They had like House of Cards <laughs> and Beast of No Nation. And it's, it's an excellent movie. It's not a movie you want to see more than one time, but I was surprised it didn't really get nominated for anything when it came out. And have they actually ever oh, but made... It, I think it's because of the stupid rules, but yeah. Have they ever made an um, actual f- feature-length film for David Fincher, or it's just been TV? It's only been TV, okay. but you got to think, and we'll get to that in a minute. His next movie might be. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, wait, wait. What are we talking about? Mank. Oh, my God. Sorry. There goes, yeah, my COVID brain, I guess, kind of. And I just said Chelsea, those would be ones. Because you have COVID, and you've been in my house. <laughs> And I don't know. Just say pandemic brain. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't worry. I'm not. I don't have the. I'm not infected. Don't have that um, omnicron. Um, (laughs) But uh, although most people sounds like a transformer. Most people I hear that say they have omicron are doing okay, which I'm grateful to hear that. So again, yay for the vaccines. Any good Um, news is good news. I mean, any good any good news is. Is is great news right yes, now. So. Yeah. Um, no, I I can't believe. Wow, I said those movies of 2020 will never forget. Because but there I went, forgot about Mank. But so I want to talk about two foreign films, which we have not gotten a chance to see because we just literally don't have access to either one of them yet. But Drive My Car, which is coming to Hollywood Theater, I think we're going to try to make a run to go see it when yeah. it's there. You and I. But uh, uh, worst person in the world. I, I heard so much about it. I want to see it. And it's, it, we just don't have access to it yet. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we do, I want to watch it. I've now seen the trailer a couple times. And uh, 
the uh, I I am a little confused about the way it's being released and if it will qualify for. I'm uh, super curious about that. I did check the Golden Globes from this past weekend that we both forgot about because yeah. Golden Globes suck and they're not televised anymore. But uh, it was not nominated in the foreign category. Now that just could mean they didn't want to nominate it. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I think this will be one of those those films that uh, of a foreign film that will remind you know American audiences that the types of problems you feel are maybe distinctly American or not actually. And there's something that people all around the world experience. It's it's that was kind of my uh, impression in watching the trailer again and, and seeing the, the, the struggle that the, the, the lead uh, actor is, is dealing with the, the, the worst person in the world, but she, um, and she also has a, a brilliant moment at the end of the trailer where she gives a single, a single tear, which I always feel like, you know, that's a sign, sign of a great actor there. So uh, no, this, that's a, that's a movie I'm very, very, excited for and last thing i wanted to touch on with 2021 i thought it was odd we had three black three prominent black and white Mm. films this year when belfast come on come on and Macbeth. now as i said i think come on come on is black and white for absolutely no reason (laughs) it had nothing to the movie but it is interesting that three high high profile movies all black and white yeah it's worth it's worth mentioning wondering if this will be a trend um but uh i because I, I, I do wonder now that so many things are shot on digital, the choice. Because I, 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 I don't know back in the day if it was like less expensive to use black and white film over color uh, film once the you know the once color film was available. But um, now it just it seems like yeah, it's black and white gives it that automatic like touch of class uh, that you can you can add to your film, which maybe in the case of Come On, Come On, which I still haven't seen, didn't didn't felt kind of fell flat for you. But um, but most of that movie fell flat for me. But um, (laughs) okay, so with that being said, we've seen all these movies. Oscars coming up soon. I think, I mean, if we sit here and go, what do we think is going to happen? That's boring. Nobody wants to hear that. And what we're going to say is what everybody thinks. What do you want to see, Chelsea? Let's start with like mm. actor and actress. Is there anything interesting you want to see? I, you already said this and I, I have it written down too. I really want to see Nicolas Cage be nominated. Yeah. I don't think he would win. I think it'd be tough for him to win this year with Benedict Cumberbatch and Will Smith. But this is the best role Nicolas Cage has had in like, 20 years and he's exceptional and pig to not at least nominate him i think would just be a travesty yeah because he's he's he you can that movie doesn't work as yeah that movie doesn't work without him and the performance he gave in that and and it, it is like heart is on the sleeve you know, totally. I, I, I would, I, I, I hope to see him recognized. I, I don't think it, it's so competitive. I'm not sure if I could see him, him win in this category. But another, another person who I'd like to see nominated in Best Actor, I, I would like to see Cooper Hoffman, um, nominated. That would make me feel pretty good to see that. Um, I think he and Alana Haim will probably be nominated. And again, do they deserve to be nominated? Sure. Um. Do I attribute their successful performances more to PTA? I yeah, I do. I and I think the roles were just right for the two of them. 
I think Cooper over Alana might be the one who, and maybe it's just because of who his father is, but um, is the one who uh, will probably pursue a, a long-term acting career. And I think he'll, I'd love, I'm sure. curious, I'd love to see what he does. But um, uh, who I'd like to see win in this category, um, I, 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 we'd have sung the praises of Will Smith and King Richard and Truly, it would it would be really sad to not see Will Smith win an Oscar because he is so deserving of one. But I I don't know. I would I think Benedict Cumberbatch's performance in Power of the Dog is is a better performance overall than Will Smith. So I, I would like to see I him win. I think it's going to be Benedict. Yeah. I do think it's going to be Benedict Cumberbatch. Will Smith won the Golden Globe, and I actually think that does not bode well for him. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a very Golden Globe curse. Move, is to give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> And as far as actress, I think I think all the women who are going to be nominated are the ones who should be nominated. But I did want to throw in Jodie Comer should be nominated for The Last Duel. Mm. She's excellent. I mean, they all are. All four people are excellent in the movie. But she, she amongst those three guys, she stood out, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Thanks for bringing her up. I um I love her in Killing Eve. So um, any more recognition for her work would be amazing. I am, you know, on Gold Derby, uh, Kristen Stewart is, you know, still projected to to win in that category, which could very well happen. I guess it kind of all depends on how she campaigns. But, um, you know, at the Globes, she didn't win. I don't think she did. I don't remember seeing her name. well, Nicole Kidman, I think. That's who won. Yeah. It was Nicole Kidman. She went for playing Lucille I, Ball. I, okay. And that's one I, I should watch. It's available. It's I'll out there on streaming. I'll watch it before the Oscars, but I just, Sorkin, stop directing movies, dude. Like, <laughs> you're such a good writer. Molly's Game was pretty fun, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get around to seeing The Trial of the Chicago 7. Not but, bad. It's just okay. Yeah. You know, so Molly's Game was okay. Mm-hmm. And I heard that this one is the most problematic of all the movies he's directed, but the screenplay is really good. So we'll see. To um, bring it back to the lost daughter. Do do you think they would have a case to say Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman are both in a lead category there or Jesse Buckley would have to be in a supporting. I think she's supporting. Yeah. She's not in it enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to see her get some recognition. Um, another actor who I feel so bad, I think it's more, I'm, I'm afraid to mispronounce her name because she has a very Polish name, but, uh, who was great in that film and she's great in succession. She has a smaller part and totally different than who she plays in lost daughter, but is the, the Dakota Johnson's like sister-in-law who's pregnant and is very like antagonistic and bossy. But, um, I'd actually kind of love to see her in getting a supporting, uh, nod because, uh, that was that was a really grating performance in like the yeah. best ways. But uh, Olivia Coleman, she'll be nominated. You know, she won three years ago, and, um, and now gets nominated for everything. <laughs> yeah, and gets and rightly so. Sure. Um, and you know, she played someone in The Lost Daughter who, you know, rode that line of she's not likable but she's empathetic, and I think that's a hard balance to strike. And um, I I she was doing a lot of. Uh, I I couldn't take my eyes off her um, in the movie. So yeah, she's um, good. She'll be yeah. nominated. So, yeah, supporting. I 
I didn't have any special supporting actor people. I think same thing. Like the people who are going to be nominated are the ones who should be nominated. I, I, I think Jesse Buckley will probably be nominated. I would like to see Alicia Vikander for Green Knight nominated, oh, although I, she played two roles and really well. And then I think she will be nominated, but Angelou Ellis, as we talked about, who plays Richard's wife in King Richard, she's awesome. Mm. So I think she will be nominated, but I, I want to make sure I pointed it out. I have a good feeling that who will win in Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars will be, um, I think it's going to be Ariana DeBose, uh, who who played Anita in the, in the Steven Spielberg West Side Story. There's so much buzz around her in that performance. And um, she already had a lot of success on Broadway. So, um, and the Anita, you know, Anita character has already won an Oscar in, uh, in the 60s. So um, the actress, um, which truly cannot believe myself right now. Rita Moreno won the Oscar. There right. we go. Got her name. Uh, uh, a legend who I, I can't believe I forgot her name, but uh, <laughs> I just could see the Oscars voters feeling good, of, feeling good about having awarding an actor, actress playing that same part again. So we'll see. I, yeah, maybe, but I haven't seen West Side Story. I really want to though. It is on, <laughs> it is on my list. I, uh, director, I mean, I think it's going to be Jane, Jane Campion. Campion. She's going to win. With a bullet, yeah. Yeah, I think she's going to win. And then Denny Villeneuve, Kenneth Branagh, maybe Maggie Gyllenhaal, she might be, and then uh, maybe Spielberg. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'd like to see Sean Baker. I mean, Red Rocket was so immaculately crafted. Yeah. Um, I think it would be a disservice to not nominate Sean Baker, although I don't think he will be. And he is such like an auteur so I feel like, but he's, he's coming at it with a very, like, he's not pretentious at all about it. And so I'd like to see more people like him. Yeah. Get rec no, recognized he's not pretentious. by that. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's just a the dude. total opposite of yeah. pretension. Yeah. Um, I, I did really quickly want to ask you because you did love Dune so much, um, with production design, uh, do you think, what do you, cause I've been seeing these are kind of the top two, uh, in the running is, uh, Nightmare Alley and Dune two completely different styles in their production design what what would you like to see win it's tough i want to both nominate right now i mean we're coming fresh off of nightmare alley i think i'd like nightmare alley to win mm -hmm. um but dune the thing is with nightmare alley i'm thinking about the sets yeah i'm thinking about Kate blanchett's office i'm thinking about the circus and the freak show and everything but with dune i'm not just thinking about the set pieces all which are incredible but the like the, the the vehicles and the armor that they're wearing. I mean, there's just so much aesthetics with Dune. I think I want Nightmare Alley to win, but I think it should be Nightmare Alley or Dune. I know. Yeah. If it came down to either one of those, I, I I'd be very happy. I think I I hope the Dune um score gets some recognition. I have that on here too. Um I'd like to see the card counter and power of the dog nominated, which I think power of the dog will be John Greenwood is from Radiohead, mm -hmm. he's that's he's doing him just as many movie scores as he's doing Radiohead albums these days. But um, I think Dune's probably going to win. And I've said it previously: Hans Zimmer has one Oscar from '94 for Lion King. Like, come on, dude! Like, <laughs> if if John Williams has five, like, can we give two or three to Zimmer? Yeah. Uh, but he outdid himself with this one, yeah. and, and I think that he's going to win. And it's so um, enhanced the 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 film like it, it just worked uh 
hand in hand with the with the with the story that I was trying to tell. Yeah. It was perfect. Uh, what about cinematography? I've got Green Knight, Macbeth, Power of the Dog, and Dune. Green Knight is so good to call out. Yes. And I don't out of those four, I don't know what I want to win. Green Knight, Power of the Dog, Macbeth, and Dune. And Dune. I I truly like if any of those one, I'd be happy. I I kind of want to throw in Nightmare Alley as well. I would I really 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 loved the cinematography in, in Nightmare Alley, but um. But see, I think the production design made the cinematography look better. Than, I think that was a production thing. True. So. Um. God, this is one I didn't prepare for before we recorded to think about. I mean, out of those four, is anything you want to add? No, I think you you kind of yeah. highlighted the 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 best ones. Um, they usually do about four sure. or five. I bet you like West Side Story will be the fifth one or something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. Last topic I wanted to say: uh, movies coming out slated to come out twenty twenty two. What are you looking forward to? Okay, so a movie I actually worked on. Um, I have no idea it when it's supposed to drop. I was just searching again today to see if they have a release date set. They don't, but. I'd love it if it comes out in 2022. Um, it's called Showing Up. It's starring Michelle Williams. It's an A24 film. Uh, Kelly Reichardt directed and wrote it and or co-wrote it. And um, it's uh, I think it's going to be another great vehicle for Michelle Williams. And um, just and she already has a well-established relationship with this director and I think they kind of make magic together on a very like low budget and uh, uh, it's just it's a story of um, an artist preparing for her um, a big uh, showcase she has at the end of the week uh, or a gallery showcase and uh, just kind of all the uh, drama surrounding that that she's she's dealing with uh, leading up to the event family and friend and career drama so it's it's um uh, it's kind of right up my alley in terms of it being a little bit of like a slice of life story so i love can't wait for that movie to come out and you know a little love for portland film there what do you want to go back and forth on these or do you want me to just recite go ahead Uh, tell me what you're looking forward to um and another big one in my in my home that uh as someone that i i live with who is super excited about this movie uh is uh the Lightyear movie the the movie about <laughs> Buzz Lightyear um it looks cool it does look really cool yeah Micah's like Micah loves the trailer he's stoked um but uh I I I'm curious what they'll do with this iconic character of Buzz and uh still animated but as a man not a toy anymore and um I'm sure it'll have just that perfect Pixar Disney Disney touch to it. Um, they they rarely miss. So Micah's enthusiasm, you know, has has made me more enthusiastic about that. And uh, the the last one I want to shout out is uh, the the Baz Luhrmann. He's getting some love this episode. Uh, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis biopic that is. Uh, oh, is he directing that? Yeah. I knew there was an Elvis movie coming out. I didn't realize it was him. Yeah. And it is scheduled to release June 24th. So, um, you know, I, I, Baz Luhrmann, he's, I have a total soft spot for him. And um, I, I know some of his movies are big, big, big old messes. 
but I I'm excited to see what he does with this. And he's obviously, you know, he loves music. It's very apparent. So um, I think a story about Elvis is in good hands with him. Nice, nice. What about uh, what are you most excited for? Well, first and foremost, you know what I'm going to say. The Batman oh, comes yeah. out in March. Oh, yeah. And as sick of superhero movies as I am, I, I just love Batman, and I'm going to go see it. The more that comes out, I'm getting a little, I don't want to say concerned, but I'm starting to question if they're trying to do too much. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I still have high hopes. I'll be there opening day. And I'm sure we will do a Batman episode in the month of March. Um, Knives Out 2, I'm so pumped. I love Knives Out 1. I love a good mystery where you don't know till the end. Grease, right? I was saying how much I love movie set Grease. There we go. Yep. I think that's it's that going to be set in Grease with a whole new set of people with Daniel Craig's character. I am just thrilled. Cannot wait. Um, maybe Top Gun Maverick. Here's the thing. The first movie was so good because it took itself seriously and it's ridiculous. This movie has to be a little self-aware or it's going to be bad. Yeah. If it comes out trying to be super serious, like it's going to be like, okay, no, it's not going to work. We might be getting a new David Fincher movie in 2022. The killer starring Michael Fassbender, who is an incredible actor and we have not seen much of lately. Will it come straight to Netflix? Don't know. Uh, Fingers crossed. It's in production now. So if we're lucky, we'll get it this year. Mm -hmm. And last, I'm just going to say it. I don't care what anybody thinks. Jackass forever. Those guys crack me up, man. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, my God. They How crack me I... up. And, and at a time when everybody's so down in the dumps, those guys just have so much fun. They don't hurt anybody except themselves and each other. And they just seem like they're always seem like they're having a good time and they care about each other. And we just need a little bit of that in our lives absolutely, right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I um I actually just was watching an old episode of Viva La Bam on YouTube and I sent it to my sister and I was like, I can you what was TV like in the early 2000s? But I, <laughs> I, you know, grateful for for Bam and all the crazy stuff he put his his parents through. Sadly, Bam did not join them for the latest Jackass movie because of his own struggles. And I hope he works on that. But um, but there is something super heartwarming about that group of guys. Yeah. Yes. As 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 wild as they are. Yeah. Yeah. I had to check. I was wondering if the new Christopher Nolan, William Oppenheimer movie was coming out, but that's 2023. So that's what I'm looking forward to this year. Well, that's going to do it for our year interview 2021. I hope that we've inspired you to go out and watch some of these movies. If you haven't already, maybe rewatch some of them. Um, But what a just really wonderful slate of movies we got this year. It was, it was. And yeah, I'm so happy you mentioned The Green Knight. I'm still kind of stuck on that, thinking about that came out this year. And what a special movie. What a special yeah. movie. A24. Never change. Uh, okay, well, we're going to do what we always do. And we're going to end the show with a recommendation. Chelsea, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to recommend a movie from 2013. I've seen it many times. Um, it, it It's called Drinking Buddies, by um, directed by Joe Swanberg. Have you ever seen this movie, Spencer? I have not. Um, so it, it stars Olivia Wilde and, uh, Jake Johnson, who's really big on new girl as well as Anna Kendrick and, uh, Ron Livingston. Uh, who's he on new girl, Nick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It couldn't get more slice of life. 
but it 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 it's also uh, Joe Swanberg is kind of known for do well he shoots on film primarily which I really love that aesthetic um and he also does a lot of uh improvisational dialogue and he kind of has like a rough outline and lets the actors you know it's it's very conversational and I really like being kind of like you feel privy to uh these people's real lives. It, it just comes across as super authentic. And um, this is a story that just kind of deals with the Olivia Wilde and um, Jake Johnson character. They have this very flirtatious friendship. They work together at a brewery um, and uh, it just kind of follows the way that their friendship is progressing uh, while Jake Johnson's also engaged to um yeah he, he's in a really committed if not engaged to Anna Kendrick in the film and uh I just think everyone's kind of doing really charming work in the movie and um uh, it's one super easy to just kind of sink into the couch the stakes are very low but it's really grips you and um I I think I may have turned Micah into a believer in a slice of life with this movie so um <laughs> I'm giving it a three I don't think anyone could be really that disappointed with this because it's just it's just such easy such an easy breezy film to watch and really just makes makes you feel good so that's drinking buddies um and you can watch on hbo max thank you chelsea uh so my recommendation is a movie that i've been trying to watch for years it is nowhere it is never anywhere it's never streaming can't rent it on streaming i finally broke down and bought a dvd copy on the internet it's a movie from 1990 called state of grace here's why i've been dying to see this movie an undercover cop goes back to Hell's Kitchen where he grew up. All of his friends are now parts of the Irish Westies uh, gang, Irish gang. Uh, he's an undercover cop struggling with dealing with his friends. Here's the cast. This is 1990. Sean Penn, Gary Oldman, Robin Wright, Ed Harris, John Turturro, John C. Riley, and Burgess Meredith. Woo! I read about this movie. I like, I have to watch this. And so I finally got to watch it. I'm glad I did. I'm a sucker for the early 90s gritty crime dramas. Um, everybody, you know, earlier in their careers, with the exception of Ed Harris and Burgess Meredith, and Ed Harris, it wasn't super established, but, you know, he had done The Abyss and stuff at this point. Everybody's great. And I will say, this is probably my favorite Robin Wright performance ever. I love the way she carried herself in this movie. I love this character. Um, you can see the acting chops early on in Sean Penn and Gary Oldman, especially there's nothing special about it. It's just really well done. I'm giving it a three because what I try to do, I don't just try to say, what did I think of this movie? It's did it accomplish what it was trying to do? And if you like those early nineties crime dramas, this is, this is awesome movie. And it's a pretty wild ending. Uh, but I'm here for it. Uh, really great monologue from Sean Penn showing off his acting chops really young. Uh, good score, just a dope movie. I thought I would watch it once and then maybe get rid of the DVD. I'm I'm keeping it. I'm gonna watch this movie again. This is it was really good. State of Grace. That's cool. If you I, can find it, I um I like you know I I feel that we're very steeped in current films um lately and it's always fun to kind of break that up and go back to watch like when I went and went back and watched LA Confidential. It's like you know it's not 
maybe necessarily the best movie in the world, but it still is fun to be reminded of how movies used to be made, kind sure. of. Sure. And yeah. Um, yeah. I, I miss the way they made movies in the 90s. I wish I, I miss how, like, I watched Juice earlier this week, uh, the Tupac movie. I just miss how raw everything was in the 90s. Everything was gr- music, the movies, everything was gritty and raw. It wasn't polished. Yeah. Yeah. 90s, 90s children. Well, I'm, I don't know. You're, you're 80s and 90s child. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode. Next time we're going to be doing a theme I want to do, and it's about coming together. Everybody, we fight too much, especially in this country, especially right now. And it's good to remember the times we can set aside differences and come together. And we're going to, we're going to be talking about next time. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So as always, we are on Twitter at the marquee spot LT. We are on Instagram at the marquee spotlight. Uh, you can reach us at the marquee spotlight at gmail.com. Tell us your thoughts. What do you want to hear us talk about? Uh, and if you're enjoying the show, like, Share, write a review, tell a friend, or do whatever you want. You're an adult. Perfectly put. Uh, so for the Marquee Spotlight, I'm Spencer Bailey. I'm Chelsea Burnett. We'll see you. Thanks for listening. The Marquee Spotlight is recorded in Portland with music composed and produced by Josh Colopy and cover art created by Taylor Ingle. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on new episodes. And if you like the show, please write a review and share with others.